What is going on, guys? It's your boys back with the JC and the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Lee. Some people call me the truth with my co-host, Chris. Today, we'll be recapping the Super Bowl and even diving into the NBA and NHL recaps of the season so far, something we haven't done yet this year, but we'd like to get into. So for starters, Chris, let's sum up the Super Bowl. I mean, let's just be honest here. This was not the game any of us expected, and I think in the slightest. No, not not at all. We uh we talked about on the podcast last week how we expected a game full of fireworks, and I don't clearly we didn't get any fireworks. Uh, I think you know when I say this, I think that you can agree with me on this one. We were waiting all game for that one play, that one big play, whether it was going to be on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball, to catapult the Chiefs back in the game. I know I was sitting here waiting to see a Patrick Mahomes signature play. I mean, you know what, Mahomes gave it his all. I mean, he he threw from midair, almost on the ground. I mean, the guy gave it his all. But the bottom line is the Chiefs really never got that one play that got them back into the game. So, I mean, it was an all-out assault from the Buccaneers. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That, um, I had Mahomes running the whole game. And, you know, I was looking up stats after the game. I mean, from my point of view, a fan's point of view, it looked like Mahomes was on his spot every play of the game. He was running every play of the game. And when I looked at the stats after the game, I saw the Buccaneers only blitzed five times. And that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, credit to Todd Bowles for finding mismatches, taking advantage of them, and credit to guys like JPP and Jack Barrett who were wrecking havoc the whole game. So, you know, I, I know a lot of uh, our friends and fans and Chiefs fans who <laughs> were down to their socks after this game, and, you know, people had a lot of money on Mahomes and uh, disappointed him. But uh, there's nothing you can say. you got to credit Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, credit Bruce Arians, credit Todd Bowles, and credit the players for, you know, really giving it their all. Yeah, and listen, you know, he got he got lucky number seven. Let's just say, you know, he he has proven to the world that he is the greatest of all times, right? But let's just talk about what this game proved to me, at least. This, this proved two major things. Number one, defense wins championships. I don't care about last year where, you know, Mahomes didn't have the best defense. It's about how the defense plays on the day. We all know that. But defense wins championships. Look at what they did to my poor Mahomes, man. This guy was on his ass every single play, everything. And, and like you said, they didn't even need a blitz. And that brings me to my number two point, something that we mentioned last time we were on this podcast. They have no Mitchell Schwartz, and they had no um, Eric, Eric, Eric Reed, Fisher. Eric Fisher. <laughs> they had no tackles. Their tackles were like – I mean, they were like Jim Bob and, and Phillip on the end, and they were just getting <laughs> – wrecked they didn't need a blitz why because jpp and shaq barrett are gonna have a field day on these guys these guys were getting abused and that's the that, those are the two most important positions on your offensive line to cover those defensive ends especially when they're guys like the like shaq barrett and, and jpp i mean watching mahomes just get i think there was there was one play where like as you said i was waiting for that one like tyreek hill 70 yard you know touchdown or travis kelsey gets like a 60 yarder or mahomes scrambles i was just waiting for it but there was one time where Mahomes threw the ball away and like he got hit afterwards and I was like oh man like he's 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 getting wrecked it was like the next play Mahomes takes his snap I think the offensive line didn't know the play was on (laughs) literally it was like Devin White Shaq Barrett and JPP (laughs) put him in a triangle and just wrecked him and you're just watching it just like I'm like, I, I think I think it's Chad Henney's turn to go into this game. Like after I, I was like, I think he's dead. I don't think he's gonna get up. But the abuse he took, 
the the heart he gave to the team that obviously didn't help him at all. I mean, Tyree Kill was invisible. Travis Kelsey, yeah. very key drop. Miko Hardman forgot it was the Super Bowl. The running game really didn't get much going. And as we said, the offensive line. And the defense wasn't great either, specifically with the really stupid penalties. I mean, yeah. I don't care if you want to say the refs did this, the refs did that. There were some really dumb penalties from the defensive end. Tyron Matthew was really getting in his own head the entire game. The cornerbacks couldn't cover Mike Evans for their lives. It was just overall not the game we expected, right? And now this is one thing I wanted to bring up to you, Chris. The Chiefs are a Super Bowl team. It's 100% confirmed. With Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, they will be. What do they, what do they need to do to be back there next year? What do they do, how do they need to get better? Like you said, with Patrick Mahomes, you're automatically a Super Bowl uh, contender already. I mean, you look at the odds for uh, favor for the Super Bowl next year. The Chiefs are a top team, yep. and you know that's that's no accident. I mean, Patrick Holmes is, you know, the best quarterback in football right now. So you know, bearing a really bad injury, you know, they're locked to have at least at least eleven to twelve wins. So they, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be back in that mix for sure. But there are a few areas where they can improve. Uh, that defense is a great defense. I was watching Brandon Marshall talk about. It. He made a few good points. They're a good defense. You know, at times they can be great, but at times they can be bad. And, you know, on, on Super Bowl Sunday, they just, they're bad. And, you know, maybe they need to find some other consistent players and have the ball. Um, you know, they already have a good good core of that group. They just need a few more pieces in that group. And I think they'll go from an average defense to a top 10 defense. And on the offense side of the ball, I, I think, in my personal opinion, I think it was very obvious they, they need another playmaker. And I know it's very, you know, uh, very weird of me to say because you have Patrick Mahomes. I 100% agree. Yeah, because you have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. And you, you really ask yourself, what more do you need? But I think the Bucks, even though they have, you know, average, maybe even below average cornerbacks, show that they can take these guys out of the game. And, you know, Kelsey is Kelsey. He went off. But like you said, uh, Tyreek Hill was invisible for the game. They need someone else, you know, another decent wide receiver that they can rely on. Maybe someone like <laughs> – Marvin Jones would be a perfect addition for them. I know he's probably going to end up in uh, Los Angeles, but someone like that who can they can rely on. I mean, McCall Hardman, gifted player, young player, you know, uh, he has a really, really high ceiling, but they need someone else in there who they can always rely on to make a big play. So I think those are two really main concerns as we, as they go into the offseason. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. So actually, I remember watching this game, watching the Super Bowl with one of my, with, uh, one of my cousins, and we were talking about it, like, the Chiefs really don't have a true wide receiver. They don't. They have Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's not a wide receiver. He sprints really, really far down the field, and you throw the ball to him, and, and he gasses everybody. But if you take that out of the game, what's Tyree Kill's ability? He's not going to catch five-yard outs. He's not going to catch, you know, 50-50 uh, balls. Travis Kelsey, right? He's a tight end. I don't care. I know he plays like a wide receiver, but he's a tight end in the end of the day. He, he's a big body over the middle of the field. You're not going to give him 50-50 balls. You're not going to do stuff like that. They don't have like a Kenny Galladay type of wide receiver, a guy that you could just make him run like a 15-yard a, a curl or a 10-yard out and just trust that they're going to come down with the ball. And that's something I think Patrick Mahomes would really have loved um, this game. Now, obviously for that, I think, um, I think that, you know, that's um, – that's definitely one of their biggest needs, getting a true, you know, like you said, playmaker. And then on the defensive end, obviously, I think they need to improve the secondary. I think a guy like J.J. Watt 
uh, can at least intrigue them a little bit. Like, you know, he's, um, he's a free agent now. I really cannot believe he's I just said that out loud. Yeah. yeah. Fr- Not even he got traded. He's a free agent by getting cut. Crazy. Whole other, whole other story for a whole other video. But overall, I think the Chiefs, uh, they don't have to do an insane amount. Obviously, on the defensive end, all you need is, is average, average to above average when it comes to having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to score 30, 35 points a game. So you don't need a lockdown defense. If you have one, that's awesome. But if not, it's, it's fine. So I think, yeah, a right. little bit of slight improvements, maybe getting him one more weapon, fixing up that offensive line a tad bit. I think it was obviously the injuries that kind of just killed them. But uh, overall, right. I, think, I think the Chiefs are going to be right there in the Super Bowl next year. And I, I, I'm pretty much 100% sure of that. So now, Chris, I want to throw us into one of the two sports we're going to talk about today that we have not talked about all year, given the fact that baseball season was on and, and football season was on. I want to toss us into the NBA. Now, we yeah. do have a special guest uh, on today, Chris, if you want to. Bring him in. I'll bring him in now. Go ahead. Awesome. There we go. There we go. So – uh, allow him, him to introduce himself, but this is our friend, Joey Mans. Mans, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, guys? How you guys doing today? My name is Mans, good friends of Cheeto and the Truth. Just glad to be on, guys. Glad to be on for a nice, good, healthy NBA spew on our hands. Welcome. Yes, sir. So, Chris, I know uh, you wanted to start us off with the NBA, so go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so I think, you know, we're about five, six weeks into the season here, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I think one area we, we can really start on is really touching upon teams that have impressed us so far and, you know, why they've impressed us and, you know, how they can continue to build on what they've done so far and eventually lead them to their goal, which is obviously the championship. So I'll get it started off here. I think one team that all three of us can agree that has really surprised us is the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, they made a big move in the offseason to get Chris Paul. Chris Paul is getting older in age. He's, you know, getting closer to his 40s. But he's still Chris Paul. And that's saying he's still one of the better, not best, he's still one of the better, I would say, top seven, top five point guards in the NBA. You know what you're going to get with him? He's very consistent. He's a natural leader. He has great control of the locker room. Uh, he can score. He's not as well as he used to, but he can still score. And he's a great, you know, he's a great uh, ball handler. He drops one of some of the best dimes in the league as we've seen for the last decade or so. Uh, now I think they're about fourth or fifth in the West. They're sitting at 15 and nine. Uh, you know, Monty Williams has done an exceptional job of getting this team um, ready to contend. And I think, you know, they're well past what we've all thought they would be at this point. Uh, besides CP3, they have Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker is, is, an, is a walking buck and we've seen the guy drop 40, 50 points at, at will. And the guy, when he gets hot, is really known better than him. So we know we're getting with him. Uh, DeAndre Aiden is a huge presence inside. He continues to build off of the solid rookie season. He's um, a tall presence. I mean, you know, not many people are going to get past him. And they have other guys stepping up too. Jay Crowder, we know what you're going to get with him. He's a solid role player. I mean, he starts with them at, at times, but he's a good player as well. And even someone like Mikel Bridges, who repping to my Villanova shirt. Um, Mikel Bridges stepped up in a huge way for them. He, uh, he's one of their most dependable players now. He starts them. He's a phenomenal 3 and D player, as we've seen that trend in the NBA lately. So he's been, you know, he's been solid for them. So all around, they've been playing well. And I think the team that is, you know, outside the Suns, the team that has impressed me the most has been the Utah Jazz. I mean, they're sitting at number one in the Western now. I mean, I don't think any of us expected that, really. They, uh, they're playing exceptionally well as well. 
uh, Quinn Snyder has done an absolutely terrific job of getting this team to play at such a high level. Uh, you know, when we think of the West, we think of LeBron James and the Clippers. So to see the Jazz at this point in the season at, on top is, is really good. I mean, uh, I think the difference between the Utah Jazz in the bubble and the Utah Jazz right now is Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, the guy is, is a light-tailed three-point shooter. I think he, it gives the Jazz another dimension to the team. It helps them spread out the floor really well. So having him back has really helped the team um, in a multitude of ways. So we all know how good Donovan Mitchell is. We all know how good Rudy Gobert is. And they have guys like Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench playing well. And Mike Conley. And we have Mike Conley playing, you know, he's a solid presence too. And Joe Ingles and, uh, and Favors do their, they do their role, uh, do their role well too, excuse me. So they're playing really well and it's nice to see. And I, I think the cool thing about the Jazz is there's really no bona fide superstar in their team. Yeah, you can make an argument for Gobert, even Donovan Mitchell. But when I think of top 10 players, top 15 players in the NBA, I don't know if they're crossing my mind when it, when it comes to players on that list. So I think it's really cool to see, especially Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, play at that superstar level this year. They're doing really well. And, you know, uh, I think it's an underdog team that we can all get behind. So I'm excited for them, and I hope they continue to do well. Um, man, so what two teams do you got for us? All right, before I jump into my two teams, I want to add on to your sons. I think the X factor in Phoenix right now is Cam Johnson. Yeah. People overlook him like, hey, you know, this guy bounced around from the Thunder, you know, the G League. But he's found a home in Phoenix, and he's putting up like 14, 5, and 5. As a bench player, imagine if he's starting, getting 30, 40 minutes a game. He, he, he's found a home in Phoenix. I think him getting mentored by Devin Booker. Chris Paul, and even by Monty Williams, he's going to take his level to the next game. He will realize that, okay, he's only 23 years old. He has a very bright future ahead of him. And with CP3 having about three to five years left in the league, being a facilitator and spreading the floor for everybody, Cam Johnson could be the next CP3, give it five years. Full take. Full wow. take. Cam Johnson, next point guard, the Phoenix Suns. And going into the Jazz, I agree with you. There's, there's no superstar there. They're all equal role players. One guy goes yeah. down, the next guy goes up. The most inconsistent guy I've seen so far for this season was Bogdan Bogdanovic. First 12 games of the season, he was averaging seven points a game for through his first 12. Since then, they've won a 12-win streak. He's averaging 19.5 points a game. He's shooting over 45% from the three-point line, and he's facilitating. He's getting guys like Gobert open off the double team, Donnie Mitch coming off the injury, getting him open for more threes, but the X factor for the Utah Jazz for this season, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Ever since Mike Conley went down with that injury, Jordan Clarkson has up. I don't know if you guys play fantasy, but Jordan Clarkson, 30 a night, 40 a night, 50 a night. He's averaging 25 points a game over his last 20. That's a guy you want on your team. He knows how to play. He's played with LeBron. He's played in major cities, small cities. That's a guy you would want on your team to build yes, around for the future. But let's stay in the West, shall we? Um, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. We all know LeBron's super team led to a finals last year. But my, I want to ask you guys, do you think they're destined for a two-peat this year or they're doomed for a bust in the playoffs? But let me tell you something. LeBron, Anthony Davis, they brought in guys like Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder. They re-signed uh, Morris. But the one piece that's staying there and it's lingering, and it kind of bothers me, is Kyle Kuzma. Rumors to trade him, rumors to keep to let him stay, 
rumors for a contract extension. What are you going to do with him? You have value for picks. You have value to get another star and bring in from LeBron. My personal thing is you keep Kuzma, keep him out to the playoffs, see what you guys can do, see what he can provide for your franchise. If he does not put up the numbers you expect him to do this season, you have to look to deal him. There's a team like Detroit, New York, Miami that will give up their assets for a guy like Kyle Kuzma who played the three and the four position. But my most worry about the Lakers is the injuries they sustained so far. Anthony Davis missed three straight games with an Achilles injury. And I, I know a few things about Achilles injuries. Once that thing starts to nag, it's bound to happen. There's going to be a tear. We've seen it in the East. We've seen it across all sport platforms. How soon is that Achilles tendon going to last on Anthony Davis? But here's the X factor for the Lakers is Marcus Saul. You bring in that 14-year veteran playing the five, and you can run that, run that big with the young guys like Caruso, KCP. Even Rondo, too. But, that, but now that's what, that's what Marcus Saul brings to the table. He can help right. the young guys in the second unit getting them open for good open shots, and he can spread the floor for a five. He adds a three to his arsenal. He still rebound. He's still a guy who can put up 14 and five, 14 and six here and there, but he's, he's willing to go less scoring opportunities to get the guys like LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kuzma, their time in the sunlight. But having uh-huh. Harold there as a backup and Schroeder were two key signings this, for that team. They bring depth to the bench, depth to the starting position, one guy needs a rest day. Guess what? They're up. They're rolling. George is a guy who can, who can drop 30 a night. Harold's a guy we see in L.A., cross-town route for the Clippers, put up double-double numbers 10, 10 games in a row. Those are two exceptional guys that are going to help the Lakers make it to the finals again. Yeah. Who will they face is the question. Now, how about your team that you're impressed with? Do you think that, you know, I know you're going to get into that now, but do you think your team, the Sixers, can get there? Or do you see any other team besides that getting there? All right, well, I like the 76ers, and I feel like the Doc Rivers signing really implemented that franchise. Doc Rivers is a guy who's been around the league for 20-plus years. He won a few rings in Boston, you know, as a player. But the question is, can Doc Rivers get this youth to the next level. We all, we've all heard a couple weeks ago, um, Billy's GM came out saying, we're a championship or bust this season. And if you're a GM and you're coming out saying those words, this is your last year of winning. Because after this year, you're going to strip everything down. And what I've realized, and I don't know if you guys can agree with me here, for the last five years, the Sixers have been the one seed through the first 40 games. From game 41 to game 82, they've dropped in the standings between three and six. So knowing that mindset, they're the one seed. If the playoffs were to start today, they got the Knicks. We've all seen what they did in the Knicks a few years ago in the playoffs. It was a sweep. The Sixers have all the talent. Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, rookie Tyrese Maxley. You know, they have – the depth on their bench, they have the star talent, I feel like they're going to fall short. And then the GM is going to strip 
everything down. He's going to trade Simmons in a blockbuster deal. And B is going to be the franchise guy. Tobias Harris is going to be unhappy. He's going to want to lead to a big market team or or to a contending team. Seth Curry, who's their backup point guard, he's going to resign the point guard of the future for the Philadelphia Spencers. Tyrese Maxwell will finally be the number two. Danny Green is going to be like, well, guess what? You want to strip down? We need to make a finals appearance. I want to go to a winning team. He's going to leave. Sixers have all the draft picks necessary coming up for the next three, four years to make these trades happen. And I feel like if they were to trade Ben Simmons, they can get Mm – two first-rounders, couple seconds, a star wing player or a forward, wherever they lack. And I feel like the injury history there is going to linger over the next couple of years. You know, yeah. the foot, the knee, uh, that shoulder of Ben Simmons, the Bias Harris hamstring, Seth Curry, you know, the concussions, the shoulder, the knees. They're not a healthy team. Right. And one game is all it takes for one of those guys to either end their season or multiple guys to be out a few few days or a couple weeks. Right, and I, I think it's I think it's a very interesting point that you know everything that you just said is totally true. And, um, it, it seems like the culture and not just basketball, but Philly basketball or Philly hockey or Philly baseball, any kind of Philly sport, is always different surrounding these players, and there's always that pressure to to win now and you know win in the future. So. I think that's a very, very strong point there, and it's interesting to see. Yeah. But Lee, um, you know, going across town here, what team have you been impressed by and why? So, honestly, as you guys know, like, this has been the first year I've been actually trying to pay as much attention to basketball as I can. Now that I've run TikTok, I'm trying to keep all the sports in the jumble. And, honestly, I got to stick with the hometown. I got to stick with a New York team, not the Knicks, I'm sorry. But I'm sticking with the Brooklyn Nets here. I mean, honestly, man, like, what can you expect? Can you not expect a team with, with – there you go, man. Can you not expect a team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving to not impress? No, this team is built to score. And every night I, I like, you know, I always see the, the recaps. I always see the scores and they, this team could put up 130, 120. I think that there was one time they put up like more than 140 points and you're just watching and you're just like, you're just like, this is, this is a team built to score. Obviously there's questions around their depth. There's questions around their defense. There's questions around certain things, but in the, uh, I think it was James Harden uh, who said it, Chris, you were telling me, in a in a seven game series, who's going to beat this team four times? There's not a lot of NBA teams that can. Yeah, you can get a fluky win like the Wizards got with the with the Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal play. You could get that, but you're going to do that four times. I don't think so. I think that the Nets are just going to be a team out there in the playoffs that everyone is going to dread wanting to play. And yes, I do think I could see them going to the finals and making some sort of run, especially with those three at the helm. Obviously the question mark of, you know, Oh, well only one person could hold the ball at a time. It doesn't matter. These guys could all drop 25, 30 points a night with no problem. So honestly, you know, this, that, that was kind of the way I saw this NBA going. Those five teams have really impressed us. Uh, Mans, any last takes you want to take on the Nets? I'm going to leave on this note. There's been a rumor, you know, as it involves the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have six big men on on their current roster. Andre Drummond's going to ask for a buyout before the deadline. And the one place he wants to play for right now is Brooklyn. Brooklyn. You move DeAndre Jordan to the bench. You put DeAndre at starting five. You now have Kyrie Harden. Joe Harris, Kevin Durant at the four, Andre Drummond as your five, DeAndre Jordan will come off the bench as your six man, 
you now have better depth at your bench than you have currently. I yeah, do feel can. one more thing that should do. They have certain people they can go. I feel they should make a trade with the Kings and get a guy like Marvin Bagley huh. and maybe a couple second rounders rebuild that draft pool because even though we gave up a lot for Harden, they're all protected first rounders. We have a couple seconds for the future. Marvin Bagley can be a guy coming off the bench as your sixth man, giving you 10 and 10, 25 minutes a game, brings you some value, flip him for a couple first, maybe a first, maybe another wing score or a primary defender to guard a three. And I'm just going to leave it like this. The Wizards own us this season, but the only amount of time, if the Wizards were to go on a little winning streak with Bradley Beal putting up 45 a night, Will the Nets overcome all the obstacles in front of them in the East? They say they say that's the third seed right now. Can they overcome the Bucks, the Pacers, the Celtics? Those are the main question marks right now. I know they can overcome Philly. We've done it. But there you go, Mance. The Bucks, the Pacers, and the Celtics are the three boulders in the way of this and going from three seed to an NBA Finals appearance. Yep, you ain't kidding, man. But, Mans, it is always a pleasure to hear you talk. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us, Mans. We will see you soon, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Chris. So that was a lovely NBA talk. So let's lead it a little bit. Let's just touch up a little bit on the NHL here. I know this is uh, where I love, this is where I shine. I love the NHL. If you see any of my TikToks, but overall this NHL season has been plagued with COVID, especially in the East, but you know, overall, I think, I think they're handling themselves pretty well with the new division lineups. I think things have really, uh, have really changed a lot, you know, with the Bruins moving into what is now seen as the the Metro in quotes, like it's pretty much the Metro just with um, the Bruins in there. And then uh, you include a team like the Sabres, the Bruins have become the beasts in the East. Sorry for the cliche, but honestly, this team has really impressed me when it comes to, you know, how they have jumped into a division that is very compacted, very hardcore. You have teams like the Flyers, you have teams like, um, you have teams like the Flyers, the Capitals, uh, you know, the teams like that, even even the Penguins, you know, this this team, this division has been stacked for years. I know I, I always neck my Penguins, but they really have not been playing well. The Islanders, the Rangers, the Devils, you have a bunch of teams in there that have heart. But the Bruins just came in and they just owned it. They said, this is our division now. And I hate it because it's a Boston team and, you know, New York, Boston. But, you know, I do like to see how, you know, guys like uh, Brad Marchand and, you know, they're just that combination of Tuka Rask and uh, Halak have, has just been absolutely absurd, Chris. But, you know, yeah. I know there's another team that's impressed you too. Yeah, Bay Lightning, that's for sure. Uh, like you are saying, when you add the Bruins into those already impressive teams and when you already have the Lightning on the other side of that, it is tough. So it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out of that side. But the, the Lightning are an incredible team. You know, when you guys when you have guys like Stan Coast and, um, you know, one of my <laughs> Ranger favorites, like uh, McDonough, uh, Hedman, and Tyler Johnson, those guys are an outstanding core of players. But it, it begs the question of, and this just doesn't go for hockey, it goes for every sport, can the Lightning repeat? Um, we just saw with the Kansas City Chiefs how hard it is to repeat in winning a championship in 
in any sport. So um, I don't know. That's, I, I like the Lightning. I'm a big fan of the Lightning. Obviously, when I don't see my Rangers winning, I like to see the Lightning win. But it is tough. And as we've seen, I think in my personal opinion, hockey is probably most in physical sport. These guys are taking insane hits every night, and you get killed. And as we've seen, one little nagging injury can derail your whole entire season. So, um, you know, if the Lightning can stay healthy for the remainder of the season, I think they will be right up there with the Bruins as the odds-on favorite to win the championship again. Yeah, and honestly, Chris, like, you know, I, I, I am the kind of guy that believes that uh, repeating is possible in sports. But if, if we're being honest here, as you said, hockey is just the hardest one, man. The, the physical wear and tear in your body, man, it, it just it just kills you. But honestly, I, I know uh, we always talk about our teams in here. So I'd like to just at least throw in a little bit of some of the rumors that involve my Pittsburgh Penguins. Recently, with the new uh, uh, GM switch and new president of operations switch for the Penguins, there's been a lot of question marks as to who or what the Penguins are planning on doing this upcoming offseason. Obviously, the Seattle Kraken are going to become a team and they're going to have an expansion draft. So that already means we're going to lose somebody. But overall, there has been a lot of question marks whether or not Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang will be returning to the Penguins next year. Now, obviously, it sounds crazy. The thought of Sidney Crosby in a Montreal Canadiens uniform or a Colorado Avalanche uniform sounds crazy. But is it that crazy? Is it crazy to think that maybe Evgeny Malkin may go somewhere else or Chris Letang may be a better pair somewhere else with a team that's probably got a little bit better of a future or maybe of a has a little bit of a cup chance in them obviously guys like Jake Gensel and Brian Rust are here for the long run but you know when it comes to guys like Crosby Malkin and Latang who have given their life and love and everything they have to Pittsburgh I don't know if the team is going to keep them right like and you know I I think to be honest with you Crosby will remain a penguin I think it's his team at this point it will always be until he retires right. same thing with Mario Lemieux but honestly I could see possibly Evgeny Malkin go. And to be honest with you, I think Chris Letang is already out the door. I think that they've been trying to, they've been trying to ship him for years. It's just been very under the radar. It sparked arguments amongst Jim Rutherford and the ownership, which resulted, which I don't know if this is the reason, but I know there was rumors that it was result, uh, him trying to trade Letang was one of the reasons why he resigned. But I don't, I don't know if that's hundred percent true, but overall, uh, I did want to also touch up on another group of stars that are uh, in the making, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. This this duo has been absolutely dominant all year, right? They lead the league in points this year, both of them. Uh, McDavid with a couple points lead. But why is it that this team still can't be the top in that division, right? In a very weak division, in my opinion. Um, they can't be the top. Obviously, you got teams like the Maple Leafs and the Canadians who have somehow started playing great. Um, it seems like they just can't do it. Their goaltending is so pitiful, and their defense is not far behind there. Their offense can score, but they're, they're like – I remember one game they played the Senators. They won 8-5. to five. First of all, you're like, wow, you scored eight goals. Crazy. You let up five goals to the Senators. They're like one of the worst teams we've seen in, in, in the last like five years, this Senators team. But I just don't think they can do it just themselves. And that's been the case with guys like, you know, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. They can score and score and score and score. But when they're letting up, when the Oilers are letting up five, six goals a game, you just can't win like that, especially in the playoffs. We're going to play teams like the Bruins who can score five and then let up zero. 
So, I mean, overall, those have been the, the kind of news around the stars that I've seen, Chris. But now I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about your division favorites. I know you uh, had two that you really uh, stood out to you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just adding on to your point, I, I think that's a very common theme across all sports. Look at Mike Trout. More than the last time the Angels, you know, were a dominant team in the MLB. Um, when the stars can't get help, it's, it's horrible. It truly is horrible to see because you want them to succeed, but the team around them just doesn't allow them to do so. And even think about Dame Willard in Portland. I know Portland's been in the playoffs, but Dame, it's pretty obvious Dame is a very talented player, but he needs more help. And he was Sean Watson in Houston, that poor man, uh, one of the most talented quarterbacks uh, in the NFL, but, he, you know, they, he needs more help. So it, it is a shame to see. The theme of more help. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to what you were saying, you know, in two divisions, I, you know, two of my favorite teams in hockey besides the Rangers, Lightning and the uh, Golden Knights. I think those are two very solid teams in the NHL. Uh, I know the Golden Knights are in first in their division right now, but I think they have enough talent and enough experience. Whenever you have one of your personal favorites, I know for sure, Mark andre Fleury, and that you're going to be a good team. The guy's been there. He's done it all. He knows his way, you know, he knows his way around the NHL. He knows how to win. So whenever you have guys like that, um, and Mark Stone is playing at an outstanding level right now, too. He's, he's clearly leading that team to playing at a high level. So I think when you have, you know, both guys on, in the Golden Knights locker room, I think, you know, you can't count them out. And as I was saying before, the Lightning, all those guys, um, outstanding players, outstanding teammates, I think you can never count them out in any kind of game, even when they're down three, three, four, nothing. So um, by, the end of, by the end of the NHL season, I would not be shocked to see the Lightning and the Golden Knights on top of their division. Yep. And honestly, it transitions right back to my, you know, my, uh, my two picks. Um, number one, I got the Boston Bruins winning uh, the East. I, I want the Penguins. They won't. But uh, the Boston Bruins are going to win that division. Let's be honest here. They are a phenomenal team. Um, obviously, there's always a question about their depth. But their first line, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, it's the best first line in the East. It's the best first line in hockey probably at this point. I mean, obviously, there's – arguable lines but I think that's just one of the most complete lines seeing what they were doing even when uh pasta wasn't playing I mean they're still unbelievable and obviously they lost uh Tori Krug and they lost uh Zendano Chara their longtime captain and it became Charlie McAvoy's defense and they're still lights out and they have Halak and Tuka Rask this this team overall is just built to win and then you transition to another team like the Toronto Maple Leafs which i think have surprised everybody a little bit i mean obviously they're always a high scoring team but honestly they're you know they they have not been letting up a lot of goals and like you know usually that that has always been their problem especially last year with Freddie Anderson really struggling uh Austin Matthews has been playing out of his mind i think he had 11 he has 11 goals he had a stretch of four games where he had six goals and uh, that, it's pretty crazy because during those games, I think he had six goals and no assists, which is like <laughs> he's just the guy ready to shoot. Um, he was on that goal streak, which was phenomenal. Mitch Marner, I mean, if you got the top two guys of Dreisaitl and, uh, and McDavid a little bit on top, the next guy in line is Mitch Marner. And, I mean, he's been playing pretty damn good too. I think overall that this uh, this Maple Leafs team is a lot better than than people have always thought it would be. Uh, I think they, they have a chance to win that division. I think they're going to, to be honest, unless the Canadians go on some sick run, which is possible, Carey Price. Uh, but overall, I think that's going to be the two division winners. And to be honest, Chris, I know you wanted me to take the Hart Trophy candidate here. I think yeah. it's pretty much a guarantee that we're going to see a Hart Trophy winner 
from the Oilers. It's going to be either Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. It was Dreisaitl last year because McDavid didn't play. I mean, these two are just too special, man. It's like, it reminds me, I hate to bring it back, but it reminds me of this uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin combo back when I was a kid, you know, I was a kid. They were the two, two of the best centers in hockey and, and they're on the same team, right? There was always the thought of why doesn't this guy leave and go be the number one somewhere else? Because they just mesh together, especially on that power play. But I mean, this, this, uh, I think it's either going to be them two, or I think maybe you could have a guy like James Van Riemsdyk or Mitch Marner come and stun the world. But I think, I think it's pretty much a guarantee right now that the, the, the heart winner will be from, uh, Edmonton. But anyways, guys, thank you guys for tuning into the JC The Truth podcast. Tune in next week and we will see you all soon.